bring you a live recording from uh, Pilsen Community Books uh, in Chicago from October 19th. Uh, it was a, an event uh, held to celebrate the release of my book, Paint by Numbers, and I had a good talk with uh, the writer uh, Annie Howard about the book and took questions from the audience. It was, uh, it was a good evening all around. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. See, like, all of these words are just hurting me hearing you yeah. say them. It's yeah. just like, I don't know that I need this. They're but... words that should only ever be read on your phone screen and never, never spoken aloud. <laughs> and then I have to explain them to Joe, and I'm like, it hurts me to reiterate this. Because, <laughs> like, by explaining it, you have to give it some kind of credibility. Exactly. Like, exactly. I'm like, don't make me do this. Tragedy. As long as you're not saying stuff like, at whatever said this thing, and then at whatever. That'd be way too far. Their first name is at. <laughs> it's possible. Well, shall yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's get let's going. Go for yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not often I get to do introduce to friends, to my friends. This is great. Um, friends and friends and friends. Yeah, I know. Hi, y'all. <laughs> PCB. This book is really lovely, and I'm excited to get to share some more of it with y'all. Um, if you want to start, uh, we're going to start with a brief reading from what we kind of both agreed was the kind of synopsis paragraph, in a sense, of the book. So I'll let Dimitri do the honors. Okay. Where did you want me to start? Just what? this, like that whole... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, Just, I mean, the whole paragraph. The, the whole thing. paragraph? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. 
I want to say something about art and commerce, about fame and failure. I'm using episodes from my life and uh, the lives of people I know to do so. Inevitably, feelings will be hurt and, uh, and my intent will be questioned. That's the price of uh, playing the game of art. I'm okay with that. What I want to assure you of in this perhaps unnecessary break from the action is that it took me many years to conclude that I could say something true without sticking to the facts. I'm using fictional tropes because I'm convinced they will get at what I'm uh, trying to say better than if I tried to uh, chart out a painful tell-all with fact-checkers and lawyers poring over every sentence. This is not an expose or a muck muckraker's screed. I also have no interest in holding myself above or apart uh, from the monsters I describe. I'm one of them, a willing participant, likely worse than most of the others. Because uh, in, in sober moments, uh, often in the middle of sleepless nights, I know there are better ways to be, more noble paths to follow, Orso and Carrie, who are like the main people in the book, um, are oblivious or such accomplished liars that they're convinced of their own righteousness. I have neither excuse to fall back on. I'm just a bitter wannabe. So that, yeah, that's sort of, it's, it's not a synopsis of the book, but it's sort of some kind of, uh, yeah, what do you call that? Like letter of intent or like... Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and I think also, you know, to open this book, you, the first few pages is not necessarily how you would expect to start a book. This is the first book I've ever encountered that begins with a cease and desist letter yes. from some lawyers threatening Dimitri to not publish an article that did not end up getting published yeah. about these two artists uh, who are, we shall know, as Orso and Carrie. Yeah. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about how long you've been sitting on this and what this is okay so th this is i mean almost yeah a good almost everything in this book is based on actual events but uh the precipitating this the cease and desist letter actually i actually got uh and i changed some names in the letter but it's it's written somebody somebody read it and remarked how badly written it is and it is it's written <laughs> it's written in lawyerese you know but yeah this uh i I wrote an article, like a profile of a semi, yeah, as famous to some people, musician slash artist, and uh, he he got a draft of it before publication and went ballistic and hired lawyers and threatened to sue everybody on earth, basically. And yeah, and I, I sat on this and other kind of art world related experiences for about a decade until. Uh, coming up with this way of uh, kind of making whatever lemons out of the lemonade. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what this book is, does so interestingly, there's a lot of things that were really shitty about these people, right? Like yeah. you document, you spent six months plus getting to know these two artists, yeah. people that you previously, their artwork you looked yeah. up to, big fan of. Yeah. And then you spent time with them and realized that they were, quite frankly, assholes, I mean, to put it bluntly. Yeah. Um, one, I know that there's a precautionary tale there about getting, to, getting too close to the people you care about as artists and then realizing, I think, the best quote about that in the book. Um, where did that one go? 
If this shithead made the thing that matters more to you than anything else, what does that say about you? You've been building a temple to a monster believing them a god. Do you demolish the entire edifice or salvage a brick or two, a facade, a doorway? It's a very difficult thing in this moment in time to know more about artists and just generally other people than we probably have any right to know because of social media. And I think as writers, as we get to know people through interviewing, um, we sometimes see that negative side. Why... I mean, did you have negative experiences like this before, and why was this one, I mean, beyond the whole cease and desist and all of that, like, why did this one have such a huge impact? Well, I mean, I've definitely had, I've had lots of bad experiences with, with artists. I mean, you know, like, the art world is filled with horrible people, you know, like, and as is the, the literary world, as is most creative endeavors, endeavors, because it requires people to have, like, the kind of ego that, you know, that would justify putting something out in the world under your name, you know, like it takes a lot. And uh, most people that do that have trouble turning that off when they're dealing with with everyday people or like when they're not in their studio or whatever, being gods, you know, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what, what stuck, I guess what stuck in my craw about this was like the amount of time I spent and the... Yeah, the uh, just the the complete disconnect from what this guy, this the art that this guy made and how he acted. You know, uh, it was yeah, it was jarring, <laughs> and and there was no connecting it. I mean, they're not connected. <laughs> like we were talking about that earlier. I think, I mean, this is this comes up in you know in society all the time these days. You know where. Somebody's found out, you know, somebody who's admired in whatever field, and it turns out they're real assholes, and they treat people badly. So do you throw out everything that they've made because of that? And that's a big question, and everybody's got to answer that for themselves. Um, I mean, for me and this this particular person, it took a couple of years of me not being able to even, like, see, see his name in print, you know? But I got over it, you know, time passed, and one of the reasons I didn't, put out anything either as art or whatever is I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just axe grinding or that I it wasn't revenge you know because I've been treated badly and this is I was going to settle a score you know Um, yeah yeah and I think yeah that, that question of being exposed to people to more sides of someone that you necessarily deserve to have access to uh, you've now you're not on social media anymore in part because of this which we can yeah. talk about more but you know if you want to have even a little bit of exposure you kind of now have to subject yourself to this machine this apparatus in many cases um, until you reach a point where you maybe get you know enough notoriety that you can distance yourself from yeah. it um, and that's really difficult so what you know for you you did make that decision kind of you said based partially on this but maybe other things as well yeah there's a lot of stuff so yeah in in 2015 I had a at the beginning it's that's when I moved to Bridgeport I had a relationship and and uh, you know it was one of those kind of you know fork in the road kind of moments and I had to make some changes and I made a lot of changes and the first of which was after moving out of a house I lived with in with this woman uh, was uh, to quit Twitter and then a couple of months after that I quit smartphones I tried, I tried Instagram for a couple of months, but it, it really just felt like, you know, like 
methadone to the heroin of Twitter. Like it just wasn't enough, you know, because <laughs> you couldn't have links. You couldn't, you know, like it just wasn't the same. Mm -hmm. So, and once once I quit that, I, I didn't see any reason to have a smartphone. And it's like waking from a bad dream, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I've stayed off, you know. It's been whatever seven and a half years, and I don't miss it. <laughs> and the, all the stories I hear people talking about it, it's just fucking horrible and it's just gotten worse and I mean it's one of the few good smart forward-thinking decisions I've made in my life where you know 2015 was was a ramp up to the 2016 election it was before I missed all of that on, on Twitter you know I, I didn't miss it as a person you know I read about it but not like a minute by minute <laughs> like that like non-stop like recurring car crash you know that <laughs> If I truly did not have to experience any Facebook posts from the 2016 <laughs> presidential election, I really probably would be much better off. So that's a good time to get off. But yeah, each yeah. each of those you know social media platforms that I was on, you know, had I have specific people like or like a thing that went wrong, you know, like with Twitter. I mean, like even beyond this thing with with this person, you know, my my ex girlfriend like found out on Twitter that I was looking for apartments. That's how stupid it was. Like. That's how stupid I was, you know, like, I didn't, you know, I, I don't know how she didn't know that things weren't going well, but, like, I guess I posted something on Twitter about looking for apartments, and then mm. she confronted me, you know, it's like, why would you want to have situations like that, you know, like, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And I think what's hard, again, too, like, being in, for me as a younger writer, and younger, just, like, re the real realities of trying to get the word out there to make some connections, right? A lot sure. of people here met because of social media, yeah. and that's hard. And like, you work to build those relationships offline. Um, but I think it's hard to get yourself enough attention just to get going on things. And I think, you know, you, um, you know, you talk about these two artists so desperately wanting, you know, they have everything, right? They're yeah. successful artists, they're making money off of their art, they've got no, you know, material constraints from that. And yet they're still addicted to every single like, every single post. Mm -hmm. um, they, th there's no satisfaction for them. Um, and then you say, I don't want to live that way, but how to get by without constantly jumping up and down and pointing at myself just to pay the bills. Yeah. It's a very, it's a desperate feeling to be trying to do this shit and to be just barely getting by from it. And I yeah. think um, that's only gotten worse, obviously, with social media. So can you talk to me just for as long as you've been writing, has it gotten harder, do you think, to pay the bills? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, well, like for uh, specifically, like, say, like, book reviewing, which is one of the things I do is I write book reviews. Like, there's few, there's so few places that pay actually pay anybody to write a book review. I mean, Mandy would be able to talk about this from life as a publicist, work as a publicist, you know? I mean, like, becoming obsolete. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, you cut out whatever the middle person, man, woman, whatever. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's, I mean, I get these press releases all the time, and they're just, they just seem so fucking desperate, you know? <laughs> and and they're so, uh, so many of them are just really barking up the wrong tree. I mean, I get, I get press releases for, like, like the Alex Jones Truther documentary that this person, like, is convinced that I should write a review of, you know? <laughs> Like, 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 dude, it's not gonna happen, <laughs> you know. And I, I try to write, you know, I try to be nice because I, I, 
more often on the other end and not getting any response. But like, I have only so many, so much time, and I'm not that fast a reader. And if I review your book, I'm going to read the whole fucking thing, which a lot of reviewers don't, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's to get any kind of attention is really a really uh, hard nut to crack. And yeah, the um, yeah these these big like the publishing industry, the movie industry. They're completely, like, they're just running around with their hair on fire. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, the movie that won the Palme d'Or at Cannes this year is not playing anywhere in a theater in Chicago because they because that studio released it same day on VOD. So mm -hmm. they're only booking it in the suburbs. So I rode my bike to fucking Wilmette last Friday to see this movie, and it's great. It's a great movie made by one of the, the best filmmakers going, Claire Denis from France, you know? She's great. And her movie's not playing in Chicago because these fucking people, even the, the five bucks they would have made, you know, because nobody's going to movie theaters except for weirdos like me, you know, like they're not, they keep shooting themselves in the foot. Mm -hmm. So it's a mess. Mm -hmm. It's a mess. And, you know, social media is only just one part of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and I, I have no idea what the answer is at all. I mean, I don't know. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, on the one side, it's great that anybody can pretty much make anything they have access to technology to put out a thing but to get any kind of eyes or ears on it i don't know i mean I, nobody has this, the answer mm -hmm. i i talked with a friend yesterday i have a podcast so i i talked to people and this guy's literally got a million followers on twitter and he just like he, he's as lost as anybody you know like so, yeah <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I think... Uh, yeah, I don't think it's... Like, it creates this, like, its own, like, this, like, sense of necessity, like, you need it, but I don't know that you actually do. Mm -hmm. That's, the, you know... Like, I, I've done better uh, money-wise and, I don't know, I don't know, fame-wise, I don't know how you quantify that, but uh, since I've been off mm -hmm. rather than when I was on, mm -hmm. you know? It, it also was a different time. Seven, eight years ago is a different time on social media mm -hmm. than it is now. I have another friend whose book blew up because of a TikTok video, like last week. <laughs> he's now he sold like literally like like ten thousand books or something off wow. off a of fucking TikTok. So I don't know. <laughs> so do we all go run to TikTok? It's we're not our books aren't going to sell ten thousand books. His did. I don't know why. He doesn't know why. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. None, chaos. Of it, none of it makes much sense and I think you know we got to know each other because I just read your stuff around and then I saw that you were doing the show at Rainbow Club yeah and you came up to me in in person in yeah. meet space and like introduced yourself exactly. like, as a human being and here we are and I, yeah and I think it totally works exactly and I think another thing I wanted to ask about you know Chicago is where we are obviously and mm -hmm. It's a very magical and a very deeply flawed and imperfect place. You've been here now... I've been here basically 30 years. 30 years. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to overly romanticize Chicago. Again, we've got a lot of flaws. Yeah. As far as big cities go, we all know we're paying a lot less in rent to survive than mm -hmm. coastal cities and a lot of other big cities. Um, yeah. And it's definitely gotten worse. I mean, Bridgeport is a place that I've heard mythic stories of even five years ago being a lot cheaper than what we're paying to live there now. Um, but yeah, I mean, just can you tell us a little bit about Chicago, your experience with Chicago as an artist, as someone who's had 
numerous careers and lives and different experiences in the city. Dimitri has a very good tattoo of all of the train lines and then little... Where, where is that? Oh yeah, there it is. So the, yeah, this is the, the Chicago CTA map and these are the places that I've lived in, in Chicago. Like the yeah. dates and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's all kind of fading now, but yeah, with the years, yeah. So yeah, how has Chicago treated you as an artist? I, it's, I mean, it's as close to home, I, as an artist, who knows, but as a person, it's as close to home as a, I've ever found. Uh, so I, I was born in Moscow in the USSR, and then my family unfortunately moved to Boston, which is a city I hate. <laughs> <laughs> I have to return to every you know, a few times a year because my parents are aging <laughs> and they still live there for some reason. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I moved there when I was like seven and left for art school in New York in the fall of 1989. And New York was fine, but the school, I made a bad choice about the school and that's how I ended up in Chicago in the uh, beginning of 1990 because because the, the School of the Art Institute let me transfer in the middle of freshman year. Hmm. And it's, I mean, it's a city that's, I mean, this is, it's all cliche, it's a patchwork. There's, every, every neighborhood is its own little city. Uh, so if you don't like one, you can move neighborhood it's, and it's totally start over. And that's, yeah, I've now lived in, I don't know, five or six neighborhoods here. And each place has got its own character. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a place where, where you can get work done, and for for a big city, it's still, it can be affordable. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know, like, I've never been able to afford Pilsen, for instance, but <laughs> I've lived out on the edges of Pilsen. <laughs> uh, I lived in Wicker Park before that blew up. Uh, lived way up north before, way south. Uh, yeah, it's a cool city, and it's. I mean, what, one of the things, one of the ways I learned about it was from being, a, so I was a cab driver here for nine years, and I, I've been to every corner of the city, you know, like pretty much. Uh, and there's still, there's tons, a lot of it I don't know, you know, probably never will know, but uh, yeah, for, for me now, uh, I mean, I've lived in cities all my life, I can't imagine living in a small place, but like when I go to New York, I'm just a tourist, or San Francisco, or LA, LA you know the other major places. I don't know. It's too late for me. I don't, you know, <laughs> to start over. You know, I just turned 52. Well, I'm not going to start over something else. This is it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I think it's, I mean, I think it's probably the most American cities because like, like all the, the faults and all the problems of the whole country is just played out on the front page right here, you know? And like, you know, politicians that are corrupt and proud of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you get a wide swath of humanity. All kinds of people live here. And you can cross paths with them fairly easily, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I love Chicago. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. It's a fucked up place, but I love it. I don't know. It is, at the end of the day, a beautiful and fucked up place. I think one of your other, so you've got the book, um, Music to My Eyes. Uh -huh. um, as a, So one of the great things about this book, and all of Dimitri's work, very interdisciplinary. The writing is great, but there's also lots of just very good little collages, watercolors, etc. throughout. Um, Music to My Eyes is a, how would you describe it? I mean, you're writing little synopses, uh, impressions, 
as yeah. well as drawings. Of yeah, I mean that one. Well, that one they all have art in them, but that one's got the most art in it. And what I did was I picked like two hundred sketches that I made at at shows of musicians playing, and then I wrote about the day that it happened or the musicians if I knew them, like I knew a lot of the musicians that I drew or what was happening in my life then. Uh, so, so yeah, it's a, it's a kind of episodic, sort of memoir-ish thing. Mm -hmm. But mostly, yeah, mostly it's it's just a way of tricking people into looking at my drawings. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, but again, to me, that's such a Chicago book because it's just like, I was at some of those shows. I remember yeah. like the Pill Show at the Hideout. That just oh, is yeah. a show that happened at the Hideout, and I feel like, you know, I'm sure there are people. I mean, shows that I've probably been to that y'all were at before I knew you. That we just happened to both be had that happen with other friends. So. Chicago's, I think, I don't want to say uniquely because I haven't really lived in other yeah. cities, but it has that property, the magical property of connecting people that are genuine about what they care about, which is, I think, part of what, yeah. why I wanted to get to know you. So, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, I, I sort of, yeah, I can't like, like you. I've spent so much time here now that I can't really compare this place to other places because I don't know any other place nearly as well as I know this place. Mm -hmm. You know. So it's not really even fair. So like the, the guy I was talking to yesterday with the million Twitter followers, he was, lived in New York forever. And we started down this kind of track where I get on sometimes, you know, where like, you know, New York is not the center of anything anymore. And people, it's only people in New York that don't know that, you know? And he, you know, he took a little, he, he got his back up a little bit about it, but it's, it's not that I'm like insulting New York, especially, there's not a center. Like the center is, you know, it's not on Twitter, but it's somewhere out in some sort of cloud somewhere. You know, there doesn't need to be a center mm -hmm. in the same way, you know, because mm -hmm. because of the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not. I have no like. I don't compare Chicago to New York. They're totally different places. Mm -hmm. New York's fine. Like as a tourist, New York is fine. Like, but I, I can I can be done with New York in a day or two. As a tourist. New York is really only tolerable in small doses because if you stay any longer, you just get so worn out. Even like four <laughs> days there, and I'm completely dead for the rest of the week. So, yeah. um, well, I want to. I mean, I, you know, I think that one of the main things that we talked about before, and this question of how to make peace with people that you discover to be assholes. Again, there's like a very specific experience. I think talk a little bit more. Um, just give some more context for our lovely audience about. How much time you spent with these people? What did you do with them? I feel like we haven't really talked too much about the actual like, content of the, again, the time you spent with them. What drew you to them in the first place? Why did you want to believe in them as these incredible artists? Like what, what was so appealing to you? And then what did you learn? Well, the, the two main artist type people, the, the, the recurring characters of this book, is the, the, one, the one that I got to know through Twitter, whose work I, I admired. Uh, and then there's the other one who is like a like the local star artist who I had actually a lot more day-to-day -day ex experience with, and I kind of drew them together. Like one of the fictional parts of this book is having these two people interact, and and them sort of living in some lightly fictionalized version of Chicago. You know, <laughs> where one of them was definitely in Chicago, whereas the other one never was. You know, and the, you know the real. The real article was really only about one of them, you know. But I need I needed some some way to fuse them together, and this is what I did. Um, 
so the, yeah the the, the the local art star guy, you know, I, I got to know as a cab driver. I drove him around, you know, like in real life. And got to watch him do his thing, like wine and dine, dine famous people and like show off and tell, convince them and like rich art collectors why they should own his art. And he sort of wanted me to do that too and I could never do it. I could never, I never had that, that kind of spiel, you know. And like that, that sales job always just, it felt gross and I, I can't do it without being ironic about it and kind of like undercutting it. I still can't, it's still a problem, mm -hmm. you know, like, like the sales job part of it, I can't, I can't do it and mean it, you know, I can't. Uh, and if you're good at that, like you have to, you know, it's that kind of used car salesman thing where you just like selling the greatest thing ever, you know. <laughs> Even if it's the thing that you made, you know, and, and like without doubt in your mind, and that this is what this guy had, you know, which I looked at and was just kind of like, sort of both horrified by and you know sometimes a little bit envious of because I just couldn't do it. Uh, was there some quality of the art, or is it just bad art? If you look back on it now with some distance, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know that I was ever. With, with the Chicago guy, I don't know that I was ever a huge admirer of the art exactly. I was more of an admirer of the, uh, of the game, you know, like mm -hmm. his, his ability to schmooze. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think that that's what I was like. There, I could take or leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's also, that's the thing that, you know, any, any like aspiring or young artist that gets some job like working in the studio for more established or famous artists will have opinions on, you know, the art that is made by the big master, you know, and oftentimes there's, there's resentment or questioning whether they're any good, that kind of thing, uh, and resentment. Uh, and there's, there's definitely some of that. But uh, by the time I crossed paths with, with this person, I was far enough along in my own sort of art career that I would he, he tried to get me to work in his studio and I would never do it uh, because I knew like it, one of us wouldn't survive, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's super complicated with, with creative types and when you get one working for another one, there's just like, it, it gets messy very quickly. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, again, like you said, you're dealing with someone who has made it by all accounts, you know, yeah. has made, made the career, making yeah. the money and still can't get over what people are saying about him on social media and just generally in the world, right? Yeah, there's so. a l later, uh, like towards the end of the book, there's this press release that's, that where this big deal artist announces that he's step o ste stepping away and he's not gonna, he's not gonna display his art in galleries or museums anymore because <laughs> he's gonna let like people that don't look like him, meaning like, you know, people of color and other like, non-binary like or like not like old white guys like yeah it's their turn but it's even that like making a grand statement like that is self-serving because it's like because i can i can i i can afford to step aside and let let these lesser people have the spotlight you know like, and that's that's based on a real press release there was well or like well, it was a it was an article in a major Chicago newspaper, <laughs> that but it's a glorified press release because so many of them are, you know, these the articles. You know. 
Yeah, this is a... So it's not, a, not exactly his words. No, no, no. I, I definitely embroidered in this one, yeah, because I needed to mask like who it's based on more. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's, there's for sure a thing like that. It's still pretty embarrassing. I mean, I think you do, do a great job of playing it up a little bit. Having recently completed his most ambitious public work to date, a five times life-size grizzly, fabricated by the finest artisans of all four continents, Orso decide, desires to quit at the apex rather than awaiting the inevitable diminishment of his powers. Yeah. That is an ego. Yeah. And I think you're not, you're definitely not wrong to say that any artist is still going to have a little bit of an ego, right? To still a say, lot. yeah. You can't do it without an ego. Yeah. And I, I try to, like, took pains even, like, in the piece I read at the beginning and stuff that, like, I'm not above or to the side of any of this. Mm -hmm. I'm totally guilty of a lot of it because you can't make stuff without it. Mm -hmm. It's just what you do with the rest of your life that how you negotiate that where there's some leeway, you know, and you can you can do that with some grace and some generosity or you can be a fucking, you know, megalomaniacal asshole. You know, like and I'm just trying not to be that. Mm -hmm. At least not all the time. <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the day, I think I mean, that guy might disagree, but I, I hope that choosing the path of not, yeah, not uh, always buying your own bullshit is at least, I, again, like, maybe not the most lucrative, it's maybe not the most sustaining in other ways, financially or otherwise, but, you know, it's, it's more human at the end of the day. Not that that's not human either. It's a, a... Oh, it's definitely human, yeah. It's very human and very flawed. It's funny because, yeah, like in the... And they act like after, you know, Trump showed up, like this guy, I started seeing him in a new light. Like he's, he's just started because he, he just seemed like, like the Donald Trump of like the local arts. <laughs> like this guy that like, if you agree with him, everything's great. If you're inside, the t like as long as you don't question anything, everything's great. You know, if you question anything, it all goes to shit really, really quickly, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to get my head around the idea of being somehow the Donald Trump of a local art scene that is about as bleak as it can possibly get. Um, I really hope he does not know that he is. Well, he should probably know that that's what he is. But <laughs> are you worried about this getting back to either of these these guys? Nope. No. <laughs> that's good. I mean, somewhere in there, like, I, yeah, being kind of a dick about it and saying that they don't really read. So you know. <laughs> but no, no, because. Uh, I don't. Some of these people, at least, uh, at least these, the people that I base the main two people I base this on, they're not self-aware enough. Uh, you know, they they don't really have the capacity to see themselves from the outside or how they come off. You mm -hmm. know, I mean that's maybe that's the the trick to their magic. You know, that they don't have, they don't feel they need to. You know, mm -hmm. whereas the rest of us, like you're just you do something and then you're horrified by it. You know, like people are not you know mm -hmm. so no I'm not worried about it that's good that's, I mean you know the, the one main guy you know after you know he, he sicked his lawyer on me he told me to go shoot myself that was the last communication I had with this person you know like well uh, that's that's not anything that, that's not happy making you know like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah I have yeah I had for a while I lugged around with like 300 emails from this person, <laughs> you know, like a huge, a huge file, you know. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, so I, I sat on this article that had to be killed, and I reread it like a couple of years ago and was not happy with it at all, so instead I made this book. <laughs> <laughs>
instead of that article. A happy ending, I think. Yeah. I think so. I think yeah. this. It, <laughs> yeah, I think. Again, at the end of the day, this I think does a really remarkable job of sitting with these questions of, again, things that we're all kind of grappling with the, the realities of art existing in a world made by people that are fundamentally fucked up and shitty and harmful and having to kind of ask yourself like what is the limit and I, I think implicating yourself in that question saying that you feel some responsibility to idolizing these people and you what do you walk away with obviously I think they made some decisions for you by being so vicious when it all fell apart um, but you know everyone else we all have our artists who are witnessing meltdown publicly and make huge embarrassments of themselves and yeah, you have I mean, to say with that. So. Yeah, we have we have people that are clearly mentally unbalanced, you know, who are make you know, who are buying social networks for themselves. You know, <laughs> this, you know, like that guy, he's just like clearly needs professional help, you know, but he makes people so much money that they just just allowed to run around in, in the general pu general public and say things, and people like follow it. Mm -hmm. It's abs yeah. Th these these people are like minor, tiny ants compared to you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the other points of the book, at least to me, or like what I think is that, in these people that consider themselves sort of like fine artists or whatever or above it all, I think what they, a lot of them hunger for is the exact same kind of fame that, the reality TV, social media fame. That's what they really want. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's fucking gross. <laughs> That's what I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're they're no better than like you know the Real Housewives or whatever. Yeah, even if they make paintings or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think let's see. It's about seven forty. Oh yeah. Uh, does anyone in the crowd have any questions for Dimitri? Uh, Dimitri, I think one. Well, the first couple combos we had. Uh, uh -huh. I think you and I are both very cynical people. You've been an artist in our world for a long time. I'm a publicist, uh -huh. you know, with the same struggles. Um, and I struggle with not letting the cynicism overtake me. Uh -huh. um, you, having all the experiences you've had and like moving to Chicago so long and making art, how do you prevent the cynicism from overtaking you? Like, how do you continue to desire to make art even when you know the system is rigged or these total egomaniacs are running it? Like, what helps you keep going? Well, that's, I guess that's where, like, whatever healthy ego comes into play. I continue foolishly to think I have something to say and something to share. And no matter, like, how little reaction I get or how little success on any level I have, I just keep putting this stuff out there. Well, because, I mean, I, I think it's the only thing that justifies me kind of, like, you know, breathing the air, quite honestly. I mean, I've sort of... I've completely failed at like every other aspect of life, like you know, relationships, you know, like money making. Like this is this is kind of like this, this is where all the eggs are in this basket. This is this is all there is. Like if I give up on this, that's you know, it's time to get off get off this ride. But I, that may sound overly dramatic, but like that's where you know that's where I'm at with it. Uh, so yeah, I. I had, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, you want the things you, you make to be appreciated and somebody to get something out of it, but ultimately that can't be the reason why you, you make things. It just can't be. It's, 
it has to be because you feel like you have something some sort of something to share and it's a uh, yeah you have to have a, a you know marathon not a sprint you know like it's not like just hitting hitting instantly like well like with a publicity cycles of books you know like if the book doesn't hit within a couple of weeks people just forget about it you know but I, I put you know this is the now the the fifth book the fourth one I've completely self-published but basically the fifth one and yeah I have a I'm playing a longer game you know so it, yeah it'll take me a couple of years but I'll, I'll make my money back you know they all they all have almost like I think one of them hasn't or not yet but it will and this one will too if you're willing to put in the work there's you know access to printers like to everything that you need uh, and if you if you write you know if you do journalism you, you you get to know copy editors people you can hire for either barter or for not very much money uh, to do the other things you need to put out a book a real book you know not just a like a shitty vanity press kind of thing there's a way to do this but yeah how to like maybe maybe it's it's you shouldn't want uh, whatever kind of fame that is promised by the whatever the larger society maybe that doesn't even exist I don't know so yeah I mean you know the cynicism doesn't go away though it, <laughs> yeah, it keeps me warm at night <laughs> cynicism and bitterness yeah it, it's it's got it, it it's got its utility. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a follow-up question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, one of the reasons I admire you both is I think you're both wonderful literary citizens. Obviously, Dimitri, you're one of the few people who like reliably still writes book reviews for publications, and Annie, too. Like Annie is, uh, is always energized by seeing what other people create and wants to be in conversation with them and write about it, and it's really wonderful. Um, what are some other ways that you think like you can be the antidote to some of these like awful people that you write about? Like how can people be better citizens of the literary and artistic communities that they're in? But think of you two as prime examples of that. You want? You should go. I mean, if you've got something, I'm gonna think you about start. a good question. Oh, here. okay. I mean, it's hard. Like, you know, you're one thing that's really easy to do is dunk. I'm talking about social media. I made the mistake of dunking on the bookstore uh, tattered cover that's now in Colorado Springs, normally in Denver. They had a really uh, just very cringy thing that said the human experience that Elise and I saw. I didn't search this. I just said, I posted on Twitter. I said, this is very cringy. What's well, a black owned bookstore historically in Denver? And I got roasted for it. And I rightly, rightfully so. I didn't need to post that. And I guess I say that because I think about, I don't know, I, I know that there is... What was it, can you, what was, what was the, what was the thing that you reacted to that, I was, was bad, that you didn't like? Just, well, first of all, the books on it were just, it was like Barack Obama's <laughs> memoir, uh -huh. The Human, it was just like a lot of black writers. Uh -huh. And I think, you know, it's, it's fair that it existed, and I think if I knew that The Human Experience was a bookstore, if they had even indicated that on the shelf, uh -huh. that would have been helpful. And I think about the act of dunking on it and not, doing, not taking that extra moment to look into it. Again, it's tricky, because I know that there are like, a lot of people that rightfully deserve our scorn. 
And I also just like, I, I sense the dangers of uh, scorning people. And I don't, as much as possible, I feel like we all don't deserve that. Even the worst people out there, maybe not everybody, there are a lot of people running for office in our <laughs> lovely fucked up city that deserve all of the hell that I know some of you give them, which is great because they, they want power. They want to change our lives. And a lot of people online aren't trying to change our lives. They're just trying to live their life and it's not worth it. So I think that generosity that we can give to people generally, but also, yeah, again, to other artists is something that I want to be better at, but I think is like, again, it's just, it's hard to do that in a way where in this world where the hot take, the takedown, whatever, is just going to get you more of that quick hit feeling that, you know, the social media encourages to, to chase. So that's, I don't know if that's really answering the question, but yeah. it's just a thing I'm thinking about, so. I will say though that the tattered cover is like a gentrified shell of its former self. That's true. It's really just a brand that they, so for the, you know, it's like this landmark in Colorado of book publishing that is now just the brand that has survived with the actual actuality of the store. So I, do, I, I think they deserve all the hot takes because going there now is like such a, it, it's so painful. Yeah. And I didn't even know that now that it's in the Springs. It's in the Springs. The expansion was gross. They switched their original location to a trendy new place. They like got bought by Bain Capital. They named, there's one black person on this like 20 person ownership team and then they called themselves the largest black owned bookstore during the uprisings. Mm -hmm. Like the level of cynicism is unparalleled. So it's fair that I was going into it like, wow, this shitty place that I used to love is so shitty. But yeah, I mean, I, I got roasted in return for- But it also speaks to like the level of like, they're like, ooh, how, it's, I don't know. It's like yeah. the policing of language, you know, on the left is also very tricky. Yeah. Do you have an answer for your? Um, what, was, what was the question? It, we've gone, we've gone yeah, way, yeah. way to another thing. How Just how to be, be a, like a better, be the antidote about these, these people you write about, like the absolute egomaniacs. How to be a better Larry citizen? Uh, I mean, yeah. In the in the the art world specifically, I don't know. I I really barely participate in the art art world, but you know in. In Bookland, you know, you, you show up, you know, you patronize stores like this, <laughs> like rather than just fucking buying things for cheap or online. Like that—that's the thing you do, <laughs> you know. For instance, you bring Bookseller's portraits of Liz Spector. Yes. Good yeah. <laughs> Engender good bribe bribe goodwill out of booksellers <laughs> by drawing portraits of their. Their favorite writers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it's it's a tough. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm bad at answering big like big idea kind of questions like that. I get like I start drawing a blank. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's just yeah. I mean, just you just keep participating. <laughs> yeah, I try like these. Like when it's not, when it's not a query from like the Alex Jones Truther documentary, then I, I do try to give things a fair shake. You know, <laughs> I try. I don't always succeed. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, on the flip, I, I actually I lost a friend over like a bad book review like a few months ago, hmm. and it wasn't the, it wasn't the person that wrote it. It was the writer's best friend who I was friends with, who took it as like a personal insult and affront. So. I mean, shit, shit gets really complicated. 
and you find out that people that you thought were intelligent and could tell the difference between like a personal attack and like aesthetic criticism can't. They can't tell the difference. <laughs> and I don't know what you do about that. Like because it just it makes me feel like this person that I thought was a grown up is a fucking child. <laughs> I actually find so I'm also I'm also Russian and so I, I have the same issue a lot of times. And I think it's a cultural thing. Because <laughs> yes. it, like in Russian culture, it's very common to have like really intense conversations over tea. And you can, it's very acceptable to disagree. And you can be very forceful in your disagreements over things. And it's oh, never yeah. really taken personally. It's, you just continue drinking tea and then you move on with your life and you're still friends. But like, God forbid you disagree with someone online or in real life, even in like a constructive way, like that's it, right? <laughs> and it's just, we can't disagree with each other. What does that say about our culture? Um, so. And yeah, it's, th this is like the other side of the coin of some of the stuff that's in this book about where you have to be able to separate the art from the artist. Not just if like the artist is behaving badly, but like to be able to judge the thing they made apart from how they are. Even if like your friend is a really nice person and they wrote this shitty book, it doesn't mean you stop being friends with them, you know, <laughs> they're still your friend, but you don't have to like their book. You don't, you know, you just don't. Uh, and if you can't separate that, that that's a real, real problem. Uh, and yeah, it's as far as the Russian thing, yes. Yeah, I mean, I grew up, you know, in a house where, you know, people would scream about shit at the, at the dinner table and it wasn't taken personally and, like, nobody, like, stopped speaking to one another. I mean, maybe wait a day or two to cool off, but it's a very different culture. There's at least, like, a, a much more, like, surface niceness kind of culture in, in America mm -hmm. rather than where I come from. Uh, so, yeah, people... Yeah, I've been, you know, pe people get taken aback with my opinions because I have opinions about everything, and I'm not shy about sharing them. <laughs> and, but it's not like I don't share the opinions because I want to make somebody feel bad. It's just that somebody asked. You know, they made the mistake of asking me. You know, and, and then I tell them. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, be careful of what you ask. That's what you wish for. <laughs> Yeah, it's gotten in, me into trouble many, many times, yeah, the opinions. But, like, this is, you know, this is, like, the, this is where I've chosen to, like, make my life, is this, like, this art-slash-book world. And if I can't share my, my honest opinions, then I've, what am I doing then, you know? So, yeah, the, there's going to be, I'm going to have to take my lumps, like, like losing an actual friend. You know, which mm -hmm. is just fucking ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous, you know. Other, yeah. Yeah, I'm really interested in sort of what you were saying, and kind of generally the concept of artists, I guess, who seem less interested in what they're creating and more interested in like themselves as a persona and a figure, and sure. that becomes sort of their main project. Yeah. Um, and I, and I know earlier you were saying like, yeah, this is the question that we all have to come up against for ourselves is where do you go with that when someone is kind of a shitty person and you're trying to relate to their art. And I'm curious where you're at with that or where, you, where you've kind of landed these days and whether you think your decision or how your decision to say fuck social media and to back off from that has like how that's changed your relationship to these things, if at all? Uh, 
I mean, it's it's super like case by case, but like there's, yeah, there's certain art like, okay, I'll I'll give an example. <coughs> Nick Cave, the musician, Nick Cave. I've been a fan of Nick Cave since since I was a teenager, like since the '80s. But like in the last few years, he's had a bunch of tragedies. He's had two 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 of his kids have died tragically, and he's now all over the place, like sharing, like spilling every last bit of his guts and I've, I'm, I've tuned him out. I can't fucking do it anymore. I liked him when he was a surly asshole better. I liked it better when he wasn't a guy that I could imagine having a beer with, you know, like, like it's too fucking much. I'm, it's horrible what's happened to him, but I don't want to know any of this about him. Like, like, it, like there's something to be said to, about preserving a little bit of mystery, you know, like, and we're, we're kind of coming up against like where everybody's just revealed everything. And personally, like I want to know less about myself than I already know, not more. <laughs> you know, like, so I I think anybody that you know buys my books or like my paintings or whatever, like they'll find out everything they need to know about me, probably more than they need to. <laughs> it's plenty. I, I don't think the world is missing out because I'm not on Twitter anymore. <laughs> I think the world will be fine. It's better off without me on Twitter. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. I mean, yeah. I think one of the things you were saying earlier, right, is that basically the, you hope that the best of, of yourself lives on in your art because your art is inherently going to have a longer lifespan than yourself, right? Like the thing that you create. Well, that's what you hope. Yeah. That's what you hope, yeah. yeah. And, you know, again, realistically, most of us, we make things and then... We disappear, and most people don't ever see it or care about it, and that's, again, that's part of it too, and you hope that the right people find it and still find some meaning in it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tricky when it's, when we buy too much into people um, as figures, as yeah. creators, and then, yeah, that, that, that barrier, you want to break it or you don't, and you don't know when to stop and when to like. Yeah. I mean, I used to have this thing, I mean, since I was a kid, so I... I grew up, I was always drawing and painting, that's my main thing. I got into writing a lot later, but uh, so at some point when I was a teenager, I stopped signing my paintings and people would get really like weird about it and I didn't ever want to sign them because like, do you like the paintings or do, why do you need my name on this? Like you sign a check, you don't sign a piece of artwork. The whole thing is a signature. Like I like, you know, like some icon painter, some like anonymous icon painter, you know, like where you don't know anything about them, you don't even know their name, you just see this thing that they made, you know, like that's, that's a, like an absurd dream to have at this point, but that's kind of like, that's the aspiration. So like maybe the one positive like representation of art in this book is this one short, uh, short chapter about an artist named Albert York, who never went to his art openings, he never, he's a real He's a real painter. That that part's almost completely real. Uh, like, I, I sort of connected a couple of dots that probably weren't real, but he lived on Long Island, and every five years or so, his gallery would get just a box of paintings, and there's a waiting list for them. And that's that's like the ideal art career. But like that ship sailed for me long long ago. Like, people can look up and see what I look like on the internet. You know. <laughs> I don't know what they get out of that, but they can. <laughs> I wish they couldn't, but there's no putting that toothpaste back in the t that tube, you know? Like, there's no way back from it. Mm. But I wish there were. <laughs> yeah. We are at about 8 o'clock. Are there any lingering questions?
want to hear about what you're both working on now, the most obnoxious <laughs> Well, you just you just put out uh, true, yeah. a new. Yeah, we didn't talk about your new zine. Huh? This is a. You said it was a first piece of fiction. Yeah. Or? Finally got yeah, around to writing some fiction. Uh, it is a short story about a lesbian bar that is a time portal. Uh, it was, so, you know, I, I hope it continues to grow and change. I can see it getting longer because I think it has, like, good bones. But I just wanted to, you know, again, make the zine, put it out there, get it going. And uh, Why did you choose fiction all of a sudden? Like, what inspired, what, what's the switch? Basically, so the, yeah, the, um, the artist who I, all the... This collage on the cover is Edie Fake, who used to work at Quimby's, and uh, they made, you know, uh, memory palaces, which some of these pieces are from, uh, drawn from old queer life from Chicago's past. Mm -hmm. um, and then the Cities of the Future, the color, the essay that I mentioned, um, that I first encountered both of them together. And I've just been chasing the feeling. It's just one of those things where it's like it's the most impactful work of art that I've ever experienced, is like that essay and that art together. And I just needed to think about, you know, what would a, a lesbian bar that allows people to move across time from the future where things are better to the present where it allows people to get in, uh, entry in when they are about to get queer bashed. Um, mm. And it just was one of those things where I, I feel like it's just, I wrote out a lot of little things that I've experienced over the last few years in transition that wouldn't make sense in any other context but fiction. So it just was like, and then a lot of other things, too, that I just think about being queer and being in community and how we interact with each other. So, yeah, I, I don't know if it works. I need to figure out how to end this monologue thing a little bit more effectively, but that's okay. <laughs> it's, a first, it's a first go, and I'm, just, I'm glad it exists. So, Congratulations. That's Thank cool. You. Yeah. yeah. What are you working on, Dimitri? Uh, what am I working on? I'm working on a book that is going to be comprised of uh, letters, responses to letters from various people in my life. So I've, I've kept every letter that I've ever gotten, like in my whole life, and I, I started rereading them earlier this year, and I started just writing out responses, but it, as me now, hmm. uh, it's going to be a whole book of just these, these letters. Uh, I haven't figured out the whole structure of it, but it's... It's also some sort of weird fiction because, I mean, I didn't, I didn't keep my letters that were, I assume I responded to at least some of these letters or wrote something that uh, inspired these people to write. But yeah, it's going through a lot of history, personal history and other kinds of history. Uh, and make, making this new thing, uh, I've also, yeah, I mean, moved into fiction for various reasons. I, I didn't think I'd ever write fiction. I'd never understood why people did until I realized that you have to start switching names to have plausible deniability and to <laughs> protect the guilty. So is this fiction? Is this your first work of fiction? Second. The Second. Old Style is the first. Okay. The book before. Okay. Which is also based on two bars that I bartended in and with names changed and stuff. And yeah, this is, I mean, this one's sort of there's some overlap, there's some continuation uh, into that lightly fictionalized Chicago universe. Like that, that one piece that you were talking about before about the free jazz mm -hmm. was really intentionally, that was initially meant for old style and it got cut mm -hmm. out and I put it into this book. But uh, yeah, yeah, I've, 
it took a really long time, but I realized why why people write fiction, you know. It's not to destroy all their personal relationships completely, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, or attempt to salvage some of them. So that's what I'm trying to do. Fair enough. Cool. Well, best of luck with that book. Sounds exciting. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you all so much for being here. Yeah. Thank. Thank you for. Thank you for coming. Sweet. Yeah. All right.